Most people believe the Holy Spirit exists. But why don't we ever talk about it? We hear about the Holy Spirit, and we sing about the Holy Spirit. But do we understand who He is? The Holy Spirit is not meant to be a mystery. He is a person and not an it. The Holy Spirit isn't just a power source to tap into when we need it. It's about communion with the person. There are many aspects of the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit. And the truth of who He is is painted throughout the Bible. The Holy Spirit is meant to be a part of our everyday lives. And we are called to live in the supernatural. I've got some friends up here with me today. And uh, hey, I just want you guys to know we had a powerful first service. And we're just in a window, a unique window, where God is uh, inviting us in to a move of the Holy Spirit. And again, I can say for Lord and I, we've been here before. And this is a good space. And when, when the Holy Spirit's moving, you don't want to miss it. You just want to open up the windows. Any window of the heart, you just want to open it up. God, I'm in. I'm with you, Lord. Come on, Lord. We want everything. And you know what? You don't have to be holy or perfect to experience God in this hour. Actually, that's why Jesus died for the imperfect and the unholy. So you're a great candidate today if you feel far from God. You just open the window of your heart and let's see what he's going to do. Well, part of family is we've had our youth and our kids helping us on Sunday morning establish and put the anchor in the ground as we are marching through First and Second Corinthians. And uh, Caden Brazel is here today to take us in. So lead us out, brother. As you said, I'm Caden, um, and I love Jesus. So please stand with me as we read the scripture together. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and one one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. This is what I believe and what I stand on by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I've got my old friends up here. Old, that wasn't, there was nothing meant by that at all. My young, young in God. Yeah, 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 you got it, you got it. Praise the Lord. Yes, so hey, if you guys have been with us in the Holy Spirit uh, series, last week, uh, Joe and Yvonne, jo, uh, what I heard was Yvonne just came up for five minutes and it was as powerful as Joe's whole sermon. However, Amen. Uh, he had a great sermon on the prophetic prophecy, a lot of beautiful things happened. And a lot of times when you hear us share words from the front, you know, the question is, did that word land? Did somebody really come up for that? And so I wanted him just to share, hey, what did God do this week? Uh, talk to us a little about some of the prophetic words or words of knowledge that we had. Yeah, well, last week I had a word for April and one for May. And um, so this lady, April, came forward with her daughter, Rachel, actually, in her arms. And um, the, <clears throat> the word was that last year it was lots of tears. And, you know, as it says in the Psalms, the Lord gathers our tears in his bottle. And, um, and so the Lord was then turning, I could see this picture of the Lord turning the bottle over and it was rain coming down this year on April. And we all know the saying, April showers bring May flowers. Come on. 
And it was just a beautiful picture of something that God was doing in our life. And we were able to prophesy uh, into that. And May, it was the hyphenated something. May was our, the lady's middle name. And a couple of people came forward for that word as well. And I prophesied over them and even more than prophesied over them. <laughs> Well, and just an up-to-date one, in the last service, Joe had the number 2449, which he shared with me on the way in. And he said to me, I think that must be the number of somebody's address. And I said, well, maybe it is, but I think it's maybe a birth date. It's maybe the 24th of a month, 1949. So that would make it somebody nearer my own age. Anyway, I shared that in the last service and a young lady came forward and said that her mother's birthday was the 24th of August, 1949. But she wasn't able to be here because her back was very sore. So I said, well, let's pray. We've pray I prayed for her in place of her mother, as it were. And I said, now you go home, see how your mother is, and you pray for her and release the healing power of God. So this is where you just got to trust God that he's doing it as we are speaking it. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm pretty sure that that lady whose birthday is in August 24th is listening right now. And I want you to receive your healing now as we release it from this congregation. Reach out your hands and release healing to our back right now in Jesus' name. And I was born in August too, and all these people are taking a note. It's 16, but it's okay. And so yeah, last December. Yeah, last December I was here and um, I had a word for Margaret, and a couple of ladies came forward for that. And then it was a little more specific. Um, I had, the, you know, I said, in your family, you're known as bags. Say your bit. Yeah, so Joe shared that word, and I thought, well, I mean, he's from, uh, there's nobody I know, Mags, from America. He must be doing the British thing. I think he missed <clears> it. But I love him, and, you know, he's got a good heart. Uh, but anyway, Mags was, has just moved, had just moved from California to Texas. Surprise, surprise. Anyway, but, and our family had come to visit. She had been feeling a bit lonely since she had moved and stuff. And all our family, and they were all watching online when I said that. And the family, she said, she was here first service, she said, my family began to scream, Mom, that's you, that's you, that's you. And anyway, the long story short is that she was able to contact Susan Peters and Susan made a, 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 an appointment for them. They came and saw me in the office. And the long story short is she's in a life group. She's, the, her and her husband went to Connections um, um, last week, and they're just getting involved. They used to be in ministry, and the Lord reaffirmed the fact that God was calling them again to ministry because God's never finished with us. Amen? Amen. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, good. So the great thing about words of knowledge and prophecy is that they unlock things. And, you know, April and the ladies with the middle name of May may never have come forward for prayer last Sunday. But God singled them out, as it were, by giving their names so that they could receive something from him. 
So, you know, God knows all our names. We're all special to him. But there are times when God really just impacts our lives. And if you are one of these people who've come today and you feel, how long, how long, Lord, I'm just holding on. Hold on just a little while longer because God's going to minister to you today. Amen. Amen. Ready. Love you guys. Hey, Joan Yvonne will be back up at the end to help minister. And I just want to say, again, for those who this is new to, this is straight from the Bible, right? Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially may prophesy. We're going to talk about that uh, a little bit more to help root and ground us biblically. But this is normal Christian life. When God's in the house, he's wanting to love his kids, and the way he loves his kids is one of the ways he loves us is through spiritual gifts and administering the grace of God. So, hey, let's jump into the Word of God. And I want to start off with this simple statement. Jesus is Lord, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is Lord, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son. Everybody say in his son. This just blows me away. I, like I still get so stirred by this. Okay. Whom he appointed heir of all things. Everybody say heir of all things. We're talking about Jesus, you guys. Through whom also he made the world. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his glory. When you want to see what does God look like, you look at Jesus through the scriptures and you see him. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature. Man, I want to know what God's like. Read the Gospels. Read the life of Jesus. You'll see God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's God's heart like? You see Jesus healing, caring for, showing his goodness. He is the exact representation of God's nature and upholds things, all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus made purifications of sin through his death, burial, and resurrection. There is no other one who could eradicate sin but Jesus alone. He is the only worthy one. He is the only sinless one. He's the only one that was sacrificed, the only one who shed his blood for you and I. There is no other God above Jesus. There never will be. There is no way to be forgiven of your sins but through Jesus. So when we talk about the life of Jesus or the life of God, it's, all, it's always about his death, burial, and resurrection, which is the door into all the glory of God. Here's another great word that I never tire of repeating, Colossians 1, 13 through 18. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption. I just want to slow down. In whom we, Jesus, in whom we have redemption. Nobody else but through Jesus. The forgiveness, not of some of our sins, but all of our sins. Some of us believe that God's died for some. He's died for all. Some of us believe that God's forgiven some of my sin, not all of my sin. There is no sin that you're currently in or have been in or will be in that Jesus didn't die for. We come and we're cleansed by grace. The forgiveness of sins. He Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him, Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. 
The devil and his demons were all created by God and for God. They are not co-equal evil equivalents of God. They were created by God and for God. Therefore, there's nothing to fear. Yes, we understand the sobriety of evil and the way that the enemy works, but we do not fear the devil and his demons because they are under the feet of Jesus. What we fear is not being submitted to Jesus because we become susceptible to the devil and the demons when Jesus is not Lord of our lives. All things have been created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in all things hold together. Wherever there is chaos, it should be a flag that Jesus is not ruling and reigning in that space. For wherever Jesus is ruling and reigning, there is order under the submission of his rule and reign. And wherever we are not submitted to Jesus, there is chaos in our lives. It does not mean that life is not difficult when we're submitted to Jesus. It's just that we have peace in the midst of the storm in order to overcome the storm. He is before all things. In him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything and all things. So Jesus is the head of our hearts. He's the head of our homes. He's the head of our lives. He's the head of our church. And when he's the head of our business and everything else in our lives, then his rule and reign and his kingdom can come and his will can be done. It's the exaltation and glory of Jesus that allows us to open the door and walk into the fullness of what God has for us. So even as we talk about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, remember it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that is the door into the supernatural realm that we're made for as sons and daughters of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus alone. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John 16, 7. He said, again, these are repeats, but I don't know if you know this, but I, I need the repeat right? I need to renew my mind every day. So here we go. Jesus said this, uh, I, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete is the Greek word for that, the standby, the advocate, the intercessor, the one who walks beside us, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So if Jesus is Lord of our hearts and lives, and he's to have first place in all things, then he said, it's to your advantage, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to not only seal you, but to fill you. And if, if Jesus is the head, then the Holy Spirit is the heart. The heart of God, the comfort of God, the standby of God, the compassion of God is made manifest through the Holy Spirit of God, and it is to our advantage that we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus will go on to describe conviction, that without conviction, we don't see the goodness of God. Uh, that's verses 8 through 11. Then in verse 12 through 16, which is the biggest blow in Scripture to me, honestly, this is my revelation that I just am so awed by, and that is starting in verse 12, describing the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I have many more things to say to you. That's a good word, isn't it? <laughs> Anybody want to know if Jesus wants to speak to you? Can, I, can you just... If you believe that Jesus wants to speak to you, raise your hand. Come on. All right, that's most everybody. If you didn't raise your hand, he, he does anyway, all right? So here's what he said. I have many more things to say to you. Isn't that good news? If you know Jesus, the blood of Jesus has covered you. You are a son or a daughter of God just as much as me or anybody else. When you, were, when you gave your heart to Jesus, when you submitted to God, the Holy Spirit came to seal you, to live inside of you. You do not have a junior Holy Spirit or a smaller portion than me or anybody else as far as the rule and reign of God. The Spirit of God lives within you, and he wants to speak to you because you're his own. Now, 
Do we need to unclog our ears? Do we learn how to submit and surrender? Do we need to learn to listen for his voice? Yes. But the, but the fact is that God wants to speak to you. I have many more things to say to you, Jesus said, but you cannot bear them now. And his disciples, you know, they were a little overwhelmed here. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all the truth, for you will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears from the Father, from Jesus, whatever Jesus, uh, whatever the Holy Spirit hears from the Father and the Son, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, Jesus speaking, for he will take a mind and will disclose it to you. That's why you never have to worry about overemphasizing the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Jesus said he is going to glorify me when you honor him in the house. Because that's always the beauty of the Trinity. Jesus said, look at the Father. Uh, Jesus said, look at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, look at Jesus. This is just the beauty of God. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes a mine and he'll disclose it to you. So we have Jesus is Lord. We have the Holy Spirit that has come now to seal us. And then, this, then the, the admonition of Scripture is then we, now we must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're sealed for the day of redemption, but there's more of the Holy Spirit for us to anoint us with the goodness and the overwhelming grace of God. And whether you think you are filled and you just need to get it all over you, or whether you feel like you were sealed and you need to get it on you, either way, you need more. And when it says that Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire, we, hopefully you were here earlier and saw the baptism, it's the exact same word. When somebody goes underwater, they're immersed, dunked under, overwhelmed with water as a symbol of their uh, dead to sin and alive to God, they're raised out of the water, and that's baptism. Well, when in the scripture that, that's, that uses the word you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's the same deal. I'm immersed under the Holy Spirit's influence in the fullness of it, and I come out dripping and wet with the Spirit of God so that others can be helped and I can be strengthened. We are sealed, we are filled, and we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Luke 8, 11 through 13 says this, now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He might give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, unless he wants a snake, I guess. Or if he's asked for an egg, he will not, nobody laughed at that. I thought that was funny. Uh, if he asked for an egg, he will give him a scorpion, will he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Lord, the Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So when we ask, Holy Spirit, I need you, Holy Spirit, I need you more, then the Spirit of God will come when we activate it by faith. I trust you, God, and sometimes I feel something and sometimes I don't, but every time I ask, I know and I receive uh, the goodness of God through the Holy Spirit of God. Now, one other statement, and then we're going to get into the message. This is all just warm-up. And, um, and that is, when we first started this series, I was praying about this series, and God said, uh, this, this uh, move of God is for the hungry and the humble. That this move of God is for the hungry and the humble. And being a preacher, I thought, well, okay, hungry, hungry humble, and how about holy, God? That really sounds cool. That's a three-point message right there. And uh, the Lord said, don't you dare. It is, it is for the hungry and the humble because I will make them holy. I am not demanding that they are holy to come and get the help that they need. He is the Holy Spirit. And he makes us holy by regeneration, but then he cleanses us by grace. 
This is not a works orientation. This is a grace orientation. So when I am hungry and humble and and believe in the grace of God, then I experience the grace of God to make me holy. But if I got to be holy to come to God, then I'll never get there. Or when I get there, I'll be arrogant. I'll get kicked right back the other direction, right? So God resists the proud, if y'all don't know that Bible verse. Okay. All right. So with that as a backdrop, we're talking about the spiritual gifts. And, and again, the, the word spiritual gifts, when it says that we are uh, to eagerly desire spiritual gifts or not be unaware of the spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12.1 says, do not be unaware. I, I'm writing these things so that you're not unaware of the spiritual gifts. The word spiritual gifts, is the word gift there is the word charisma or charismata. And it's two words, charis, which means grace, and the ma or the mata is to enact that grace. So it's grace enacted. So when we are uh, tapping into the spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit, we are literally grace in action. God wants to be gracious to the people that he loves, and so he gives us gifts to put into action to set people free. This gal, April, had an incredible blessing knowing that God had seen her tears and loved her because of a spiritual gift, a word of knowledge about a person's name that God called out and blessed her. She is thankful that we believe in the spiritual gifts because it was grace enacted. So 1 Corinthians 12, 1 now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be unaware. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Everybody say each one. And say common good. God brings his, gives his gifts to encourage, to strengthen, and to build up. After 1 Corinthians 13, which is the centerpiece of the gifts, the love and compassion of God, Paul picks it right back up in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. It says, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. The centrality of prophecy is not just the foretelling of the future. The centrality of of prophecy is picked up in verse 3 of chapter 14 that, that says it's good for comfort, encouragement, and consolation. It's the encouragement of God for the people of God. Why do we want to eagerly desire spiritual gifts? So that people are encouraged by the grace of God and the love of God, so that grace gets action to it that distributes the love of God. And when we live and believe that God is the God of the now. And when we live in his presence, we activate the grace of God everywhere that we go for the glory of God. So that brings us to today's text. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8. But to, but to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Now we're getting into the spiritual gifts. We did prophecy last week. But for to one is given the word of wisdom by the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So what is the word of wisdom? Now let me pause here for a minute and say that God gives general wisdom by the Holy Spirit. Um, I encourage everybody, read the Proverbs, full of wisdom of how to live life. And there's, there's incredible wisdom. Life's experience brings wisdom. Sometimes people say, oh, you're so wise. I said, no, I'm just experienced, right? I've lived life a while, got a lot of road wear there, and I've learned some lessons, hopefully. So we become, we become wise just by living life if we're attentive to God. We're wise. We become wise according to the Proverbs. We can pray Isaiah 11, which I pray every day. God, fill me with the spirit of wisdom. We can pray James 1, that if you need wisdom, ask for wisdom, and God will give liberty to those, liberally to those who ask, not doubting. So yes, 
There is a general wisdom which God gives. But this 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, when it says the word of wisdom, it's unique in this setting. And by definition, I'll, I'll put it this way, the word of wisdom is hearing God's supernatural wisdom for a specific situation, for the now. Not just a general wisdom, not just a, a, a general uh, um, good counsel, which we should always seek and that God does use that. But the word of wisdom is like, I'm in a situation, I need a now word, and I got a now word. Let me give you a couple examples from Scripture. Jesus. Um, Jesus is on the shore. His disciples are disheartened because of his uh, death and burial, and they weren't sure about his resurrection, and, um, and he's about to appear to them again. And he's on the beach, and they are out there fishing, and they can't catch any fish. And so they hear a guy from the shore say this, and it, it, they didn't know it was Jesus till, till later. Jesus said to them, children, do you not have any fish, do you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll find a catch. So here it is, with 10 yards, 20 yards, there's no fish over here, but Jesus sees things and knows things. There's a school of fish on the other side of the boat. They just can't see it. He says, throw your net on the other side. They cast it, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple in Jesus' love said to Peter, it is the Lord. Wow, what a revelation. So when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. <laughs> So he went from depression, not knowing how he was going to get his daily bread, his daily food. This was his job. This was his vocation. He didn't know what to do. Jesus speaks, says, why don't you do this instead of that? And all of a sudden, the hall's so big, they can't even get it in. And they realize, oh, it's the Lord. He has given the wisdom for which side to cast the net on. And if I could just say this to all of you business folks out there, is I would ask Jesus about your business. Seems like he knows a little more than just the best you've got to offer. And so what I mean by that, that doesn't mean this is not a prosperity message that every time you, you know, that, that we're not, we're not um, just sitting around seeking God for our own good. We're trying to say, Holy Spirit, we want to follow you. This is your business. You lead, you guide, you direct. And what we do know is that the peace of God will be in the direction and leadership of God for sure. And there'll be enough provision to take care of your family, if not in abundance for others. And I think that's the scripture promises that. But let me share one other word of wisdom. Let me give you an example. And it's a small one, though. There's so many examples we could share. But so much of our lives are just small obediences, right? We just need wisdom for something simple. Each of our kids, we said uh, to our kids, hey, we're going to partner with you uh, for your college education. Here's how we're going to partner with you. We, we're not going to be able to save anything financially, but here's what we'll do. We'll teach you to live simply work diligently and give generously. And when it comes time for you to go to college, we'll believe for you with scholarship, et cetera, and we'll sacrifice anything we've got. We're in it all together. Well, just on the upside of the testimony, we have three kids through grad school, a uh, fourth kid that did their bachelor's and an extra, and a, uh, extra little specialty. They've all gotten through debt-free, and we had no college savings. So again, that's another story for another day, and you'll want to talk to me later. But let me give you the word of, knowledge, word of wisdom. So this particular semester, we're about $1,000 short. And in light of how much college costs this day, you're saying, wow, you were down to 1000 bucks," <laughs> But we were going debt-free. And so we, it was the last, next last day or so. And it was Caleb. I think it was his sophomore year. And um, uh, he said, hey, we're 1000 bucks short. I said, well, we need to 
we got to seek God. God, give us wisdom. What do we do? And so what pops in my mind is uh, the financial aid person. I knew this particular person in financial aid. And, and I said, hey, buddy, I feel like the Lord's saying go back to the financial aid people to, uh, uh, to see if they have that $1,000. And he said, Dad, I went a month ago, and they told me they didn't have anything. And I said, well, I don't know, man. It can't hurt to ask, and I feel like God's highlighting this. So he makes an appointment with the individual, and he sits down, and the, and the, the individual says, um, you know, we don't have anything, and we're, it's kind of the semester's right here, we don't have anything. And while he's doing it, he's typing, and he said, oh, oh, whoa, uh, oh, well, there is this deal just for $1,000. I know it's just a little something, but what do you, would, that, would you like it? Absolutely we want it. Yes. The last 1000 bucks. Now, again, life so many times, it's just a need for the now wisdom of God. My question is, are you asking God? Or are you just doing the best you've got? The word of wisdom, and that could be to help somebody through a difficult time. It could be a word of wisdom in a relational conflict. God gives wisdom all the time, but we ask the Holy Spirit. That's what a word of wisdom does. All right, here's, here's a word of wisdom when someone's in a difficult a spot, trying to be entrapped, if you will. They were always trying to get Jesus. And so there's a story in Matthew 22 where the Pharisees came and they said, hey, um, Jesus, you owe, uh, um, everybody's got to pay taxes. What do you think about taxes? And they think they're going to get him, going to get the IRS on him. But here's what Jesus said in Matthew 22:19. He said, because they're, they're saying, you owe this tax, what are you going to do? And he said, show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose likeness is on this coin? And they said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And hearing this, they were amazed, and leaving him, they went their way. Wow. Jesus had wisdom to answer a question where someone was trying to entrap him. So, so many times as believers, we don't know what to say in difficult situations. Uh, years ago, and I've shared this several times because it was so profound for me, we had a situation where we had a couple of, uh, of our people imprisoned in Afghanistan, and so every week we would have the world press here. And they were always trying to kind of take a dig at, at our Christian faith or why we were in a Muslim country sharing our faith and all that. And um, so I would go out to these press conferences with no training of how to do a press conference. And here, here was my training. Jesus, 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 help, 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 wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. That, that's what I had, three-point prayer. And so the, um, this person from the Associated Press, they said, uh, it was early on, and they asked me this question. They said, so basically two of your people went to share Jesus with these Muslims because you think they're going to hell and you're like every other Christian. So you're telling me everybody's going to hell except the Christians? Just go ahead and say it so that we got it clear. And so I'm like, wow, okay. Jesus, Jesus, help, 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 wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. And I said, you know, I said, actually, it doesn't matter whether you call yourself a Christian or a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or an atheist. What matters is, do you know Jesus? I said, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And, he, and I said, so for us, we're just Jesus people. Thank you. Next question. I'm like, whoa. Everybody's like, whoa. You know, and like, but it was the wisdom of God. It wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit helping answer a question. And we would use that throughout our time, and God would somehow just give grace with that simple uh, wisdom. 
Here's another dramatic one that I had. Um, someone was uh, making my life pretty difficult and uh, was, um, anyway, I'll just leave it there. And so I, uh, I uh, had this dream. This was several years ago, actually. I had this dream, and in the dream, I'm in a meeting. And in the meeting, they're trying to trap me and, and kind of make my life difficult. And so, um, so I, in the meeting, I realized, okay, they're trying to say this. If I say this, then that's going to be really challenging. Uh, I knew somehow in this dream what to do. Now, I just want to say every dream we have is not from God. It could be from pizza. Uh, definitely, if, if you saw the horror movie the night before, it's from that. That's not God. Uh, it could be from movies, dreams, affections, all these things. But at times, there's dreams from God. And this particular one was very informative, but I had not been in a meeting like that. Three months later, I get a call, and I walk into the exact room of the dream, and the exact experience is happening, and I know what to say. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, Jesus. Help, help, wisdom, wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for showing up so that when I walked into the meeting, you planned the way of escape. Right? It says, no temptation has overtaken us, but which is common to man. But God, in his mercy, will plan a way of escape. And many times he does that through the word of wisdom. One last thing on the word of wisdom is that the word of wisdom is best operated in a small group of people so that it can be relational. And also, many times God won't give you the wisdom because he wants you to be a part of a body and to humble yourself. And so sometimes we get stuck because we're only relying on ourselves instead of the body of Christ working together. Okay, all these are free encouragements. All right. So the word of wisdom. So words of knowledge, words of knowledge. Now, let me just say again, we have general knowledge and we're to cultivate general knowledge. God gave us a mind. We're to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're to, we're to be disciplined and diligent and God has sovereignly given us a mind to cultivate and develop. As I uh, said with all of our kids, we train them all to work diligently, but also do all their homework. The only rule at our house was you will finish all your homework, and you will turn it in and complete every assignment you're given. And if you're not able to do it, then we'll come alongside of you. We'll get a tutor. We'll get you help, whatever it is. But it's not the grade that we're, that we're worried about. It's the diligence and the discipline that you cultivate. Same thing with work. We taught our kids how to work. Discipline and diligence was the cultivating of grace. So, so there's a general knowledge we're all supposed to... Uh, it's not, so don't quit school because now you've got uh, access to words of knowledge. You need knowledge to grow and develop the skills that God's given you to be fruitful and productive for his glory. Now, but what is a word of knowledge? Word of knowledge is this. It's, it's a, uh, by definition, a supernatural revelation from God about someone or something apart from having learned it. So word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation from God about someone or something apart having learned it. Isn't that awesome? Remember we talked about spiritual gifts are grace in action. So let me give you a couple of stories uh, from the scriptures. Jesus, again, the hero of the Bible, says this, John 1, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Wow, one word of knowledge just because he saw him under a tree and it's all of a sudden, you are Lord. I'm in. It's powerful when people are seen and known. Um, I have a dear friend, Kevin Johnson. Kevin and Stacey just moved back from overseas and 
Uh, they've been with us uh, now for over 30 years. But I remember um, meeting Kevin, and uh, it had happened. I was uh, in Europe doing an outreach in Amsterdam. One of his friends, we met together, and he said, uh, man, you've got to meet my friend Kevin Johnson. So he called back to Dallas, and Kevin was working for a tech firm at the time. And Kevin had this call to ministry, but didn't know how to connect. Uh, and so um, I prayed and said, God, what do you think about Kevin Johnson? I don't even know him. He's coming to see me. And I felt God say, he's like Nathaniel. He's a man of no guile. And Kevin walked in, and, and to this day, one of the purest hearted guys I know, super conscientious about his walk with God, his love for his family, his care for the work of God, his desire for holiness. He's not a perfect man, neither is nobody on this planet's perfect, right? There's none, none perfect, but there's a, there's a desire uh, uh, to have no guile, to be clean, to be right, to be pure. And you know what? I see this sometimes in unbelievers, just good hearted people, and, and obviously in believers. People of no guile, not manipulating and, and conniving and trying to make life work, but literally having a clean heart. We all want to be Nathaniel. But when I prayed about it and saw, Kev, or saw this in prayer, so when Kevin showed up, uh, it was just such a beautiful thing. And though, uh, you know, he asked some funny questions along the way, I just felt like God said, you can trust him because he's a man of no guile. And I've trusted him to this day. Beautiful. God puts people in our lives along the way by revelation. But here is kind of the, 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 the most powerful uh, illustration of word of knowledge from the life of Jesus, and that is the woman at the well in John 4. And if you guys know the story, this woman comes and, uh, and she's trying to draw water. She's a Samaritan. Uh, for a Jew, they don't have any interactions with Samaritans. Samaritans are unclean. Jews are clean. And then she's a woman, and Jesus is, and it's, Jesus is single. And, and uh, obviously, we'll find out about her. She's single at the time as well in a unique kind of way. But he shouldn't be talking to a woman. He shouldn't be talking to a Samaritan. He engages her in conversation, and they're talking about this water. We'll pick it up in verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, speaking of the well water. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, here we go, you ready? Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, this is the word of knowledge, by the way, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> wow, what revelation. Later on, the woman would say in verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. So not only is he a prophet, but now she's beginning to get a hint that maybe he is the promised Messiah because he's saying, telling us all things. Then what is her response? We'll drop down to verse 28. So the woman left her water pot there at the well, went into the city and said to the men, now I want to pause here, said to the men, Remember, she's had four husbands. She's living with a guy that's not her husband. And th these are small cities. Everybody knows everything about everybody. So this woman was not a woman of high reputation. So she goes to the men who would have condemned her or abused her. And she goes to them and she says, now look, you guys know my life, but I need you to come see a man who told me all things that I have done. And you guys know what I've done. Is this... <clears throat> 
Is this not the Christ? They went out of the city and were coming to him. In verse 42, and they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because what you said that we believe once they saw Jesus and listened to him. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Whoa! So Jesus has knowledge. It causes a woman to not only uh, repent, but walk into the city and face even the brokenness of her life and declare the goodness of Jesus. It causes a stirring in their hearts. They come and hear from Jesus, and there's a move of God in the whole city because of a word of knowledge. Why do we want spiritual gifts? It encourages people. It builds people up. And when you read people's hearts that you don't read, only God reads their heart by the Holy Spirit, it draws out the glory of God, not just for them, but for everybody around them. So years ago, we were in the country of Romania, and God was moving powerfully. And we were having these evening meetings. And this previous evening, we had prayed for the sick after preaching the gospel and a blind man had seen for the first time ever. And everybody knew in the city that this guy was blind and now he sees. And so word on the street was God's moving at this little uh, 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 whatever convention center kind of thing. And um, so blind guy saw. Then, uh, then two deaf people heard. And miracles of God were happening as we were preaching the gospel. So it's a very kind of cool, unique thing. Well, when those things happen and word gets out, people start wanting you to come to their friends and their relatives' houses, okay? So we were asked uh, to go to this gentleman's house who was in a wheelchair and couldn't walk. And so we walk into the house, and um, we, we were going to pray for him. And I just want you to know, um, you can simply pray for somebody in the name of Jesus. I've seen miracles just saying, Lord, heal them in Jesus' name. It could be simple. Sometimes I, God gets to give knowledge about how to pray for them. Sometimes it's longer, shorter. But the, the wise thing to do is when you, when you pray for the sick is say, God, how do you want me to pray for them? I don't know if you've read the life of Jesus, but he prayed for different people in different ways. Sometimes he prayed twice for people. There's different things that he did. And by the way, next week, we're, we're going to talk on healing, and we're going to pray for the sick. We're going to do a couple of songs. I'm going to teach about 40 minutes. We're going to have 30, 40 minutes on the back. Second service will go as long as we need to. We're going to pray for the sick. So bring your mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, anybody and everybody, and we're going to spend the service building our faith through the scriptures and then praying for the sick along the way. All right, so here we are. So uh, I said, Lord, how do we pray for this guy? And, um, and I felt that he had unforgiveness in his heart, a blockage. And that's not always the reason that somebody's sick. Sometimes there's no reason at all. It's just life happens. But in this particular thing, I felt like the guy had a blockage in his heart, unforgiveness. Now, I want to be tender because I could be wrong. So I just said, hey, before we pray for you, is there, sometimes we have blockages in our hearts. Sometimes it's towards God. Sometimes it's towards other people. So I'm being really gentle, really humble. And I said, do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Well, and I've heard about God, but you know, not really. And I said, well, I want to tell to you about Jesus. And I explained the way of Jesus. And I said, so Jesus forgives us of our sin, but we also have to forgive other people. And when we don't, it blocks the grace of God. And what you need today is the grace of God. And so is there any unforgiveness in your heart? And he said, grumpling, no. And I'm like, really? Oh, that, I, I see that, you know. And um, <laughs> he had a bit of an attitude. And so rather than give up, I said, okay. I said, Lord, is there anything I need to know? And I feel like the Holy Spirit says, it's his sister. Tells me her age. Tells me how many years ago they had this problem. So I say, is it your sister? Here is her age. Here's how many years ago. And how long have you been in that wheelchair? And it was the exact amount of years 
that seven year or seven years, I think it was, uh, the exact same amount of years that God revealed. So God really cares for this guy, right? I mean, we're we're not only talking about unforgiveness. Now I've got a date, a, a a person, I've got an age, I got when it all happened, and now he's getting soft, right? He's becoming open and aware that God's present. So in the middle of it, he asked, as anybody would ask in that situation, what do I do? <laughs> if God knows all this information about me, what do I do? And I said, well, I told you earlier, you know, uh, let's pray and give your life to Jesus, and then let's forgive the sister, and let's give God a chance to do something. And so he prays for Jesus, he forgives the sister, and I said, take me by the hands. And he came up out of that wheelchair and we walked hand in hand around the room. And the longer we would walk, the stronger his body would become as he took those steps of faith out of bitterness and into grace and into the healing that God wanted for him. Well, as you could imagine, the city is now on fire, right? So the meetings get better when that kind of stuff happens because more people's faith ignited and released. Now, I could tell you stories all day long, but what I want you to know is that God has stories for you. Because the, the gifts are not just for the holy or the unholy. The gifts are for the humble and the hungry. And the Holy Spirit wants to use all of us. It says to each one is given a gift of the Spirit to encourage, to build up, to pray for. So here's a little practical to kind of wrap it up because God wants all of us to be a part of this journey. So how do we do it? How do we access the gifts of the Spirit to help others? So here we go. What happens when I'm saying, Holy Spirit, how do I help the guy in the wheelchair? The first thing is you may have a thought. I think it. When I'm trying to hear God, I may see somebody like a Kevin Johnson, and I feel like Nathaniel, no guile. Or I may think in my mind, they're really hurting. Or I may think in my mind, they're really fearful. They're really anxious. And again, I mean, we don't need to super spiritualize this. If somebody's walking around like this, you can say they're really anxious. But sometimes it's just supernatural because they look peaceful on the outside, but you just know in your mind that there's anxiety in their life, right? Or something. So you have a thought. Uh, again, if it's not loving, if it's not for and helpful to the other person, it's not God. right? Um, so we think it. Sometimes when we're trying to hear God, we feel it. We feel it. So sometimes a word of knowledge for me will come like, like I feel totally great, and let's say my shoulder starts hurting uh, as I'm going up to pray for people. And I'm like, that's just so strange. But it's not strange. Sometimes it's God tipping me off. Hey, there's somebody with a shoulder problem. So I will graciously say, is there anybody with a shoulder problem? And if nobody comes, I say, well, I guess I missed it. But it didn't hurt to say, you know, God, could this be you trying to get to somebody? Sometimes we feel it. Sometimes we feel pain in our gut. When I look at people, just deep compassion. Sometimes it's like literally in your belly, you feel compassion for somebody and you're compelled to pray for them and that unlocks a spiritual gift to help them. So we think it, we feel it, and then sometimes we see it. And the best way I can explain where Paul said, may I have a spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of him. May the eyes of our heart be enlightened. So sometimes when I look at people, I see a scripture or a thought. Uh, I was praying for this political leader a while back, and, um, and I'm, I'm sitting next to him at this banquet thing, and I look over at them, and I see Isaiah 61 over their forehead. Now, I don't know how to explain that. And you're like, whoa, what planet's this guy? No, it's, I'm just sitting there. I'm not doing anything. I'm just loving Jesus. I'm not... Not trying to be weird or not. I'm just trying to love Jesus. And, and I just somehow, I, in my mind's eye, I see Isaiah 61, literally 1 through 3. And so, you know, what do you do? Like, I don't even know if this political leader is a believer or not. But if God showed it, then he wants you to deliver it. So then you say, God, when do I do it? And later 
on in the day, we were at another event. I said, hey, I just have to tell you, I saw over your forehead, I'm just at this, that may be the weirdest thing in the world, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, and she just immediately, just like somebody turned on a water hose, she breaks down crying, and she said, that's my life first. And I've wondered if God still cares about me or has anything for me. And I said, he does. He showed me to free you. You know, and again, that's a way out there story, but many times we see it, right? We just see it on people as we're submitted and surrendered to Jesus, and we want to help people. The, the, the fourth thing I would say in this little deal, so if we think it, we feel it, we see it, then we humbly submit it. Everybody say humbly. All right, so by humbly, what that means is, if, I, if that lady would have said, I said, Isaiah 61, she said, what is that? I don't know what you're talking about. You're weird. I would have said, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to learn how to hear God and help people. <laughs> I'm not making anybody believe what I'm saying. I'm not forcing anything, and I'm not being... Uh, anything but just trying to learn and try to help. And so here's what I would say. If you're not willing to step out by faith, you'll never see uh, the activation of God. I just, you just got to be willing to step out by faith. But we always want to do it graciously and humbly. And if we're doing it to serve people and love people, even if you miss it, that's why we encourage you to practice the spiritual gifts in a small group environment because everybody knows each other and said, yeah, you missed it tonight. No big deal. We love you. You love us. We're good. Right? You can take risks uh, in a in a a family environment, but the more you learn, the more you want to see spiritual gifts activated because it helps people so powerfully. So, think it, Philip. Uh, pray it. All right. And then the fit. Then the last part is then we pray it. We pray for people. So, if I that Isaiah sixty one word, I had it for this lady. Then when she busts down tears, good moment to pray for her. So then I just say, Lord, would you do this in the name of Jesus? God, would you really fulfill your word of her life? And then God gave a little bit more of things that she needed to know for her own life and and, and ministry. So all that stuff, everybody can do it because God wants everybody in it. Amen? Now, gone through a lot of little time to to lay this out, but now we want to activate a few minutes. So Joan Avant, come on up and... um, Got a few words that we want to share. And again, for everybody that this is new to, and I'd say especially those online as well, bottom line is we're just trying to hear God and facilitate the grace of God to help people. And uh, I think that's really beautiful. And so I'm excited about what God's about to do.